Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. This is just to let you know that the Cinema Catch-Up Club has an official Patreon page. If you'd like to become an official member of the club and get some bonus goodies, including early access material and bonus features only available to our patrons, then please join up at patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. And now for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And you may already notice it sounds a little bit different this week, and that's because we have moved online. Yes, that's right. Uh, We are following the health advice of the World Health Organization and lots of other uh, doctors around the planet, and uh, we are self-isolating. Normally, we do these podcasts uh, face-to-face, but for at least the next month, and probably a bit longer, we've decided to record through the magic of internet services. Uh, So we are in three separate locations, myself and my two guests, but that doesn't mean that we can't watch films together. In fact, the film we're watching together today is one that's on Netflix. It is 2008's Tropic Thunder. So joining me to review Tropic Thunder, we have uh, situated, uh, I'm going to say a fair few meters to my left, it's Ellen Sears. (laughs) How are you, Ellen? I'm well, Stephen. How are you? I'm good. I should point out that even though we are self-isolating, we are technically in the same house at the moment. Uh, It's just that you're (laughs) two rooms away. It's it's because we live together. There is that. Yes, (laughs) that that does happen. Um, First of all, Ellen, how how are you? Uh, And how are you in this uh, this time of COVID-19? Oh, you know, doing about as well as can be expected. All of my drama teaching got cancelled, so I don't have that as an outlet. And then all of my dance teaching and dance classes got cancelled. So I am going a little bit stir crazy. So this could be a fun, this could be a fun podcast. I'm also in the final, final steps of uploading my PhD thesis to the library. Um, So with any luck, hopefully in the next week or two i'll be officially conferred and then i'll be dr ellen sears which will be very exciting but um i can't technically celebrate with anybody i'm gonna have to do like a conference call and drink champagne with people from very very far away i think mm. which i'm a bit sad about so well we're yeah, gonna it's try a weird ch- time we're yeah. <laughs> we gonna try cheer you up with this comedy tropic thunder what do you know about tropic thunder I know that Robert Downey Jr. is in it and I know that it's a comedy and I know that he wears blackface for a while, but a lot of people are like, but it's okay because it's done in a way that's like ironic and funny and there's reasons for it. Um, I'm presuming from the fact that it's Tropic Thunder, that it is set somewhere in a jungle. I know that I'm, I'm pretty sure it's something to do with them filming a film. Like it's like a film within a film type dealio. That's really about it. So yeah. And also I didn't realize it came out so long ago, like 2008 was a long time ago. It certainly was. Back in the days when we could all, you know, uh, shake hands and not elbows. Uh, Joining me as our guest who has seen the film, uh, and I'm going to confirm is not in this building currently. He's uh, he's a fair (laughs) few suburbs away. It is Mr. Brett Cullen. How are you, Brett? Good, good. Thank you for having me back in this uh, technical experiment we're conducting. 
Yes, this is the first time we've tried doing this. And uh, if it works, um, we, we all owe Brett a very big thank you for his technical expertise. Uh, and if it doesn't work, it's probably my fault. Uh, Brett, <laughs> <laughs> before we uh, jump into the film, how are you doing with mm-hmm. COVID-19 stuff? Because obviously you're, you work in, um, in software yeah. development. Yeah. No, I work in uh, what um, my position is called a learning designer, um, mm. and I specialize in online learning, which has very recently become the forefront of every single person's requirements. So I've gone from cruising along being, you know, not too busy, but busy enough to being absolutely hammered all while doing it from work, from home. Um, but to be honest, you know, I've, I've been using, you know, telecommuting and all that kind of stuff for quite a number of years. So personally i'm fine with it also i don't really like people so (laughs) staying at home is kind of i'm i'm fine i'm fine i mean i'm locked in here with my children which is its own kind of special madness but Mm. look you know could be worse i'm not sick no one i know is sick so i just gotta weather the storm and if i have to sit here and play video games and not go out of the house then i guess i'll take one for the team you are certainly doing your bit I guess it also depends how, how, how um, difficult it depends on how old your small people are as well, because there's certain ages that I definitely wouldn't want to be locked inside a house with at the moment. Two and five. So oh. they're a pair of maniacs. Yeah, I'll oh. be in a, in a meeting conference and I hear bang, 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 daddy. So, <laughs> you know, it's its own challenges. Mm. In a sort of vague, non-spoilery sort of way, uh, mm. What can Ellen expect from this film as, as a first-time viewer? Yeah, kind of nailed it. It is a film within a film for some of it. It's a, it's a wild ride. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of my favourites just because they, they really don't hold back. And I think that's typified by Robert Downey Jr. in blackface. But I'll just tell you, he is in blackface playing another character, playing a character. So it's very layered. Um, I'm Lots not going to say nuance. It's very, it's very meta. All very meta. There's like very, layers very of meta textuality going on here. Okay. Yeah. 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 So strap in. Indeed. <laughs> that, that seems like good advice. Uh, <laughs> shall we watch Tropic Thunder? Sure. Let's. Okay. For those of you listening at home, uh, turn on your streaming services. That's right. We're not popping in DVDs. We're going contactless, baby. Uh, but yes, uh, turn on your streaming services and... What do you mean, you people, as we prepare to watch Tropic Thunder? Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Tropic Thunder. By we, I, of course, mean Brett Cullen. Hello. And Ellen Sears. Hi. So, Ellen, uh, all the way over there in self-isolation, what did you think? (laughs) In the other lounge room, yes. Um, What did you think? I'm not sure. I think I need to digest it further, but I feel like that's going to come come yeah. as we're reviewing it as well. It reminds me a lot of um, a lot of the comedy films I used to watch with my brother in like the 90s and the early 2000s, but just kind of Hot like shots. more extreme versions of that. No, I'm thinking like Major Pain right. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that kind of, obviously not exactly like that, but that kind of a vibe. 
Um, also, mm-hmm. my, I mean, my first impression was like, as soon as it was like shot of the jungle, I was like, oh, well, this was clearly shot in Hawaii. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. just, look, I've yeah. been there a couple of times and it's got very distinctive and I've, I've watched a lot of films that have been filmed in Hawaii. It has very, very distinctive, like a very distinctive look to it. And they're like, it's Vietnam. I'm like, no, that's, cl- that's clearly Hawaii. Clearly. Yeah. It's in Hawaii is a little more accessible than, than Vietnam. I was actually, the last time I was there, which was like six years ago, they were filming one of the Jurassic World films. So we got to see some of the filming going on very, very far did away. You, but did you get to see the dinosaurs? Were the dinosaurs there? Oh, I wish. I, I really wish <laughs> because Jurassic Park is one of my favorite films. And when we did it on the podcast, I was like, Stephen, I will fight anyone who wants yeah. to be the person who has seen it. Well, I, I, don't, I don't think they do any animatronic dinosaurs on those anymore. They're all CG because it's cheaper. I think part of them, some of them might be animatronic, but I think it's mostly CG, which makes me very sad because mm. that animatronic T-Rex is amazing. But anyway, we're not talking about Jurassic Park. No, no, I'm getting very distracted. Tropic Thunder, but that's No, fine. and well, that's, I, that's, that's disappointing, but you know. Well, I think there was, like everything. One, there was a lot <laughs> going on besides dinosaurs though. Yeah, I think the fact that we've already started talking about another film instead of this one... <laughs> It's maybe indicative of the fact that, Brett, I'll be honest, this is my first time watching it. I Mm. didn't love it. In fact, I I don't even think I liked it that much, to be perfectly honest. Um, Mm -hmm. Simply because I just did not find it very funny. I'm going to be honest. Um, Yeah, I I think Ben Stiller's particular brand of comedy, because he directed it, he wrote it, he started it. His particular brand of comedy is very specific, I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, I've liked other Ben Stiller films. Uh, I, I really like Zoolander? Enjoyed, yeah, Zoolander. Zoolander's the one that jumps yeah. out. That said, though, I really did not like Zoolander 2 when that one came out. And maybe it's yeah, a case of good. Ben Stiller this, has kind yeah. of got diminishing returns almost in his, in his comedy. Yeah, because the Ben Stiller show, where he first started, the Ben Stiller show, you can, I think there's, I think it's on Daily Motion or something, but you can track down clips from it, was so clever and so cool and so funny and so weird. And mm. that's where Zoolander came from. Yeah. Um, but you move it forward to this and suddenly you've got millions of dollars and you've got Tom Cruise and Robert Downey Jr. and Steve Coogan and Nick Nolte and all these massive names. I'm wondering if it just leads you to be a little bit more indulgent in, in how you write and how you frame things. Cause this was a very much an effects driven blockbustery. Oh, yeah. Masochistic, sure. super uh, uber macho masculine um, film. Yeah. I think sausage fest is kind of too mild a term really. Like was there a single woman who had a speaking part in this? Nope. No, I'm yeah. pretty sure there was a secretary that went, excuse me, sir, you can't go in there. Uh, that might have been about it. Uh, oh, and the, the E! News um, reporter. Oh, uh, yeah, Maria Manuas, hmm. whatever. But yeah, you're right. This was a she very... She just looked like she'd been ripped straight from the OC. I was like, this is just peak, like, late 2000s. Like, the green, yes. like, tank top. And the, I was like, yep, this is just... I yeah. remember this time period. But it's a very... <laughs> Not fondly. <laughs> Sausage Fest is a really good way of describing it, I think, because it's explosions and guns and brotherly love. and Sweaty men Mm. doing the sweaty men thing, yeah. Heroin. Uh, Being uncomfortable around uh, homosexuality. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, to be honest, what what I had... um, Like, there were bits of this film that I actually did quite enjoy, and there were bits where I was going... I wasn't laughing, but I was going, that's funny uh, in my head. Um, <laughs> well, that's a good comedy. Yeah. Ah, it, yes, I understand how that would be funny. Mm-hmm. And I, I think mm-hmm. the issue with it is that this film is, uh, 
I think it's longer than it is interesting or longer than it is funny. Yes. I, I think it's I was, about a half yeah. hour too long. Yeah. Yeah. It's I was really... kind of I was kind of almost waiting for it to end by the end of it. I'm like, how how much longer is this going to go on? Mm. Like how much further can they stretch this? Obviously they sort of had to get it to a certain length. Mm. Well, like, I just looked up hot shots. The running time of hot shots. It was an hour twenty-four minutes. Right. So Tropic Thunder is an hour forty-six. So that's mm. almost a half hour extra. An airplane, mm. oh, sorry, not airplane, Hot Shots is, is fantastic. Yeah. I think it, Hot Shots did this same thing in the early 90s. No, 1991. Yeah. yeah. I think it did the same thing spoofing Top Gun. Of course, you've got Tom Cruise here in Tropic Thunder. I think it did a better job of that spoofing of that hyper-masculine Rambo-esque mm. feeling mm. than maybe Tropic Thunder did. But I can't help but think of Jack Black and Robert Downey Jr. and Ben Stiller on set and how much fun that film would have been to make. Because mm. Jack Black oh, just went sure. balls to the wall, just hammed it up. Yeah. It was it's so fun to watch. It would have been so fun to be in that film. The performances were actually quite good. Um, like As you say, Jack Black is really great. Tom Cruise is looks like he's having the most fun anybody has had on a film set as Les Grossman. <laughs> like he's dancing yeah. and he's got all that padding and he looks kind of gross. And it, it, like the fact it's he the, just... It's the, it's the bald patch that does it and the yeah. just mm. horrible like comb over at the back. Well, he, he's getting mm. to play against type, which I think is yes. what yeah. he's very much enjoying. And like his scenes with Matthew McConaughey are just, they're really good. <laughs> And like Matthew McConaughey is is great in this as well. I I think part of the problem is, is I don't know that that joy is necessarily shared with the audience. No. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It it did a bit self-indulgent. Yeah. Like there were bits I enjoyed. I, I enjoyed um, the, the conversations that they had about acting in very serious situations. Like when they're watching, (laughs) When they're watching uh, Tug Speedman doing the simple yeah. jack play for the um, for the Flaming yeah. Dragon troops, yeah, and Robert Downey Jr.'s character is just there go- talking about no, he's he's embraced the acting lesson we talked about. He's playing the emotional truth. That that was genuinely <laughs> very funny. But um, it was then cut with a slap. Yeah, and I told you I'd tag you back. So it was like, yeah, it didn't go too far in kind of keeping mm. up with that, I guess. But yeah, I. I do have to agree with something you said before we watch the film though, Brett, and that I don't think that this film necessarily gets made today. Um, no, or at the very I... least, certainly not in the same way. For example, the use of the word um, retard was, mm. yeah. was pretty prevalent. And I get why they said it. I get the whole point around the you don't go full retard um, scene which, you know, is, is an observation which I, I think actually works. You know, actors who who go too far into playing characters with Method, mental handicaps. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mm-hmm. work. But I kind of they felt like... They did mention I Am Sam yeah. with yeah. Sean Penn, and that was a terrible film. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and again, we have Peter Sellers. Yes. These are really good observations, but one, they're using the word retard a lot. Two, they're doing it in the middle of a comedy film where Jack Black is also desperate for heroin. And three, yeah. the character that's making that point is in blackface. Yeah, that's a lot of <laughs> yeah. that's a lot of layers of metatextual. Ooh, yeah, and, and yeah. How far do you need to take it to be able to make a comment from a safe distance? It felt a bit like that. Yeah, and you know yeah. the film didn't play it safe, and in that respect, I think it, that may be one of the reasons why it stands out 
as a comedy from the late 2000s is this film didn't play it safe um, at all. It just went, it, it went, as you said, balls to the wall, just like mm. the whole thing yep. just went, we're just going to do this thing. And mm. if anybody's going to issue yeah. with it, that's too bad. We're just going to do it. I feel like this is probably quite a hefty indictment on this film. I feel like this is a film that my ex-boyfriend would have really, really enjoyed. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> it, yeah. This, this feels like this sort of thing that if I had been dating him at this point, I might have been, I don't remember, it was too long ago, but it's the kind of thing that he would have been like, oh, yeah, it's so funny. And I would have been like, no, mm. no, <laughs> no, you're just, a, you're just a douchebag. Mm. Well, but, but so I, by, by proxy, I guess that makes me mostly a douchebag. Like I enjoy this film and I think there's some great moments in mm. it, but I think I can recognize it for the serious problems it has. 2008 mm. isn't that long ago. No, I know, which is the scary thing. Don't go full retard. Like, okay, if we're talking, but even I, I think he, I'm thinking about something about Mary, where they mm. had a um, you know intellectually challenged character in that, yeah. who was quite central to the plot. And again, Ben Stiller, right? Mm. And that was treated with like respect and and care. And then this was like, uh, I think. I don't know what the relationship between Ben Stiller and Sean Penn is, but it really felt like Ben Stiller going, oof, yeah, I Am Sam was a terrible film. Let's, yeah. what's Sean Penn like in this scenario? It really feels like a massive dig at Sean Penn, mm. which I'm not against because apparently he's a dick, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I also enjoyed the bit where they were talking about the Oscars. They're like, you know, it's all politics and like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yes, that's, that's, that's exactly it. Yeah. I did enjoy kind of that, the fact that they were obviously doing a a big piss take of like Hollywood and how the film industry (laughs) works and the fact that it's like super male dominated, like all the women in it were like secretaries or assistants or. Yeah. Just nothing. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's very much, that would have been them reflecting on what they see the industry as being. Yeah. I mean, Ben Still, Ben Still is not a dumb guy and he's been around no. for quite some time. So mm. I think that, and, and you're right. There was a lot of criticism about this film of being, you know, just a boy's night out and explosions and yelling and da, 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 da. I think they probably needed, needed to lean a little bit more heavily into the character breakdowns. Like you got it with Lazarus a little bit. Um, I'm a dude playing a dude who, who's disguised as another dude. And it's like, yeah. yes, but beyond the ha-ha and the justifying blackface didn't, didn't get a lot of like, what does acting mean? There was probably like a few little moments, mm. but then maybe this was the wrong spot for this. This was supposed to be a big, loud, you know, Ben Stiller-esque comedy. I think one of my favorite moments though was the Steve Coogan exit. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Because again, we're, we're streaming this. I sent you the message going, uh, Steve Coogan, exit. Because him just going, oh, <laughs> was so funny to me. And such a beautiful way to be like, oh, Steve Coogan's in this. And then boom. Because I didn't see this in cinema. I saw this on DVD after mm-hmm. it came out. Yeah. Um, so those, those moments were kind of cool. I think it would have been better in a cinema. I think this would have mm. played better, better in a cinema than it yeah, was I, with us streaming it. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. mean, this this is a film which, um, whilst taking the mick out of those movies, which are kind of big dumb fun, is a film which really revels in being a big dumb fun film. Yeah, and yeah, some they of, don't shy away from it. Yeah, and some some of the things that they were doing actually felt a little bit 
ahead of the curve in terms of what action movies kind of developed into over the following decade. Um, mm. In particular, when they start throwing in, in the final attack, when they start throwing the um, the purple smoke bombs around, mm. all, all I could think about was was Fortnite, the video game, with with all the big color drops. <laughs> Um, but also other films where they've kind of played around with the idea of hyper-real um, sort of settings around the violence as opposed to the violence itself being hyper-real. Um, mm. And I was just looking at it going, you know, this is actually quite a good action film. This is quite a well-shot action film. And yeah, it, yeah. You, you never yeah. felt lost in where they were going with the action which was just a shame that I quite often felt a bit lost with the way the dialogue was going. Cause it was a lot of, oh, sometimes, sometimes I was just hearing like the Charlie Brown, like parents like, wah, 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 wah. like I just, yeah. I just couldn't focus on the words <laughs> they were saying. And I don't know if it was just like for some of the characters, just the way that they were speaking as well, mm. or that the, we just didn't have the volume up loud enough or what, but sometimes I was just finding myself drifting out and being like, I'm getting the gist of this, but all I'm hearing is wah, 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 wah. But I, I know what's going on. I think I enjoy this film because I'm not, I'm actually not analyzing it or critiquing it that much. Mm. It's just big, loud, dumb fun. I think the last, the last one of these I did was Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. And like Mm. I said, I lectured on that and I know it in a lot of detail. It's a very significant film. Whereas this, I'm just like, ha, explosions, bang. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think that's what I like about film. I think it is that really big scale of not every film's going to be that important. Mm. but mm. it really does depend on who you are, how you're viewing it, when you're viewing it, or in our case, how you're viewing it. Because as opposed to how we've done this in the past, where we were in the same space, yeah. you know, two thirds of us were together, but I was at home and we were side about a sink, but I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing, right? Because a lot of these films, this was really designed to be on a big screen, right? Like yeah. the amount of money and effort was spent on the big spectacle of it watching it on your computer screen or watching on even on the TV screen at home, even though we, you know, these days have big TVs, how well does it translate? And that's mm. kind of something that I think the film industry is tackling now is how do you make good films? And the answer is, well, make good TV instead because it's, yeah. it's format friendly. Mm. And but, you can also explore more character stuff through a TV series over a series of episodes rather than in a film where you've got to cram so much into a short mm. space of time. So mm. And the yeah. running time of films has just got longer and longer and longer. Oh, and my like, God. Does it yeah. need to be three hours? I think the last film I watched was Wolf of Wall Street. I'm like, why is this still going? Why, why am I <laughs> two hours in? And it's still going. Yeah. But um, this was one of the earlier films, I think, that ran at two plus hours. So it's two hours and a minute or something crazy like that. I think I just looked up. I think the Netflix cut is an hour 46. So it's slightly shorter mm. but i mean you could tell the story in 110 minutes you could oh, you could do sure. that. there was no need for it you could probably but do I it think, in a tight 85 really yeah yeah, yeah. i mean that's what hot shots is yeah hot exactly. shots. justify those ticket prices though you got to justify them ticket prices wow yeah i mean so looking at this zoolander was an hour 20 mm. um wow. airplanes an hour 28 Hot and that's shots, one of the funniest one and films two at the moment. are an hour twenty something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> scary movie, an hour twenty, and all of those are you know you know uh, spoof premise films. Mm. The joke will wear thin. And yeah, I think, I think that's a really good point to make with this film is that uh, maybe the joke wears thin, 
but I'm a sucker for big, loud, dumb <laughs> films, unfortunately, as much as I'm a film intellectual. Sometimes it's nice to just go, <laughs> bah, big, big, big. But also, like, that's one of the things about this film that I think is is enjoyable is its big, dumb funness. But at the same time watching it, it just feels like there's a real, almost like dissonance of identity when it, it's looking yeah. like it's trying to make these points. Like, the fact that we have... Robert Downey Jr. playing a character, Kirk Lazarus, who is taking the mick out of method acting, but is also in blackface <laughs> pretty much the entire film. Yeah. Um, like, it feels as though that gets examined, but because of the setting that it's in, I don't think it ever comes across as though it's being examined properly. Like, No, it seems like an excuse to be able to do blackface without being harangued for it. Yeah, and yeah. T- to be honest, like... I think it was important that they had an actually black actor in there as well to be standing there and going like, dude, this is not okay. What is, what is actually wrong with you? Like, dude, seriously. And it's like, are we cool? No, man, we're not cool. Like, yeah, seriously, seriously. Yeah. And I I kind of appreciated that um, being there, but at the same time, it almost feels as though that was a measure where it was like, we better have a black guy in here just to make sure that our joke about blackface is is seen as acceptable. Mm. Yeah. Oh, well, it's interesting because people like Jamie Foxx have come out and said that, that they loved it. Yeah. You know, they, they thought that Robert Downey Jr. killed it in that role. Robert Downey Jr. was very recently on the Joe Rogan podcast, another, you know, bro podcast that I occasionally check in on. Mm. And <laughs> the question came up of, do you think it could be made today? And it was like, well, no, because it wouldn't get beyond the ideation. Yeah. yeah. People just go, oh, no, 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 no. Too many people would be outraged. Too many people would be triggered. Too many people would be upset with that as a thing. Mm. Mm. And that argument sort of moved to all isn't art supposed to provoke? Isn't art, it, it, art doesn't have to make you feel safe. Art yeah. doesn't have to. But then the counterpoint to that is, is this film art? I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I don't oh, and then we, get, then we get into the high art, low art debate thing, and that's just a whole exactly. big can of worms. We don't want to yeah. go anywhere yeah. near because that's just. It's, it's an art piece commenting on high art. Because, I mean, there's, there's a lot of platoon references. There's mm. a lot of, yeah. you know, famous war film pattern. There's a whole oh. bunch of stuff in this. Yeah, Forrest Gump, like so many things. <laughs> yeah, so did you many spot things. the uh, Tom Hanks cameo? The Photoshop picture of him as a uh, wheelchair athlete at the Oscars at the very end? Oh, <laughs> no, I missed that. So they I saw the picture, but I didn't that. clock that it was him. Yeah, they would have had to clear that. There was him and um, John Voigt, who we actually saw who was saw there. Saw John Voigt. Yep. And there was Sean Penn. Sean Penn was up there in the top mm. right. Um, so obviously the people involved were like, well, you know, we, we know this is, this is a bit of an in-joke. Everyone here thinks it's really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, did it do well? I don't know. I mean, let's have a look. I, I'm on my computer, so I can Google it for us right now. It made 195.7 million USD mm. uh, wow. on a budget of 92 million. So that's an, wow. that's an okay success. That's not a great success, to be honest, because normally marketing for these kind of films is somewhere between 60 to, you know, 60 to 80 million. So I don't remember this being film. advertised specifically. Not that I feel like this is something that would have been advertised specifically to me. No. <laughs> as a person. No. Because how old was I in 2008? I was like 20-ish. Mm. You, you wouldn't have cared. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, yeah, like it wouldn't have necessarily been my thing then. If it was something that had come out, like something similar that had come out in like the 90s or the early 2000s when I was like a preteen or like a teenager, I probably would have yeah. watched it on like, yep. like taped it off the TV type thing. Mm. But yes. yeah, it, was, it just wasn't in my sphere of stuff. Like I knew that it existed, but I've never particularly had a yen to watch it until now when it was like, we're doing this. And I was like, all right, cool. I guess I'm watching this then. Yeah. Oh, here we go. So Dan Jolin from Empire, his review says, there are moments of comedy grandeur, but this isn't as consistently funny as you'd hope. Yeah. Nevertheless, Danny Jr.'s Kirk Lazarus is instantly up there with the comedy greats. And I think it's true. I think if you took that character out, this film would be significantly, significantly worse. Yeah. Mm. Um, before we move on to uh, trivia and other bits, uh, I just want to point out a couple of highlights from the film because there were bits I genuinely liked. Um, the the opening fake trailers are marvellous. <laughs> so oh, good. They so were just, good. I was getting such mad, like, yeah, like late 2000s, <laughs> like Usher video clip vibes yeah. off that advert for the friggin', what was it called? Booty, Booty Sweat. And, uh, Booty Sweat, Booty thank sweat. you. Buster Nut. Was that, Al, was that Al Pacino? Yeah. Alpa. Yeah. Chino, which is yeah. a genius name. <laughs> um, but I, I really liked, um, I mean, I love the advert for Satan's Alley with, with Toby Maguire. Um, just Father, I've been a bad boy. Oh, just yeah. very low in the mix of the, the, yeah. the title card. I love it. And the, 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 that, that actually looked like the joy they were having was actually being translated. Trans- translated to us it was being we were getting that like jack black is the the fat family you know the the clumps basically um yeah was 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 really fun seeing all that um and i feel like that priest movie might have also been a little bit of a dig at brokeback mountain let's be real because brokeback came out in 2005 yeah 2005 this is Mm. 2008 so this is three years later so the fact that you've got robert downey jr who's kind of taking the piss a little bit out of kind of like Heath Ledger and his method acting stuff. Like mm. I feel, I feel like that's who they were taking the mick out of here. Like that's, uh, that's yeah. fairly, yeah, that's, that's fairly yeah. obvious. I Am um, Sam was 2001. Mm. Yeah. So they would have started writing the film around then I'd say, but mm. yeah. it's pretty clear who they're making fun of. They're making fun of themselves and their friends. Mm. Yeah. Which is and like really Jake an Gyllenhaal, to Toby Maguire, like they're not like, they're both like big, blue eyes like dark like they've got a similar kind of look so Mm, as soon as that priest thing came up i was like uh yep okay gotcha righto Uh, and also (laughs) very very poor fan fiction yeah it's just not good (laughs) also a shout out for uh nick nolte and um danny mcbride who yes be plot characters but they were really good um yeah danny mcbride was very much like a deus ex machina mm. he solved the problems of the third act but i believed Mm. his character like yes like I totally believe it was partly because I've you know worked on film sets and theater sets and known people exactly like Cody. <laughs> yes, I've like, worked with special effects guys who were that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, they yeah. they're like, do, do you want it to be bigger? Do you want it to be bigger? Mm. No, 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 no. We can't have it bigger because we'll get complaints from the council. But we can you know, do it bigger. Like we we can do it bigger. I've got more <laughs> in the is, truck. But is this safe to do? Probably not. But let's just do it anyway. Yeah, no, I know like, exactly no, the no, type of people. Yeah. No one's going to be around it. Like, we'll, we'll do it as yeah, a like separate it's fine. shot. It'll be fine. Yeah. Like, yeah, but, but then we'll set the park on fire. No, 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 no. Well, we will though, won't we? Well, <laughs> yeah, we might, but still. Yeah. And the, the, the final shout out I'd like to give is to the gore in this film. Um, in particular, yeah. 
that that gore because it's rare that you get to see that extent of gore because it looks fake but it obviously could look fake in that opening scene of the of the movie being shot mm. with all the guts hanging out and like the the back of the head just blood gushing out of it for a good solid 30 <laughs> seconds it wasn't gushing. Out. that was like that was like aeonautic like like yeah 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 <laughs> that was, was a fountain it was it was it, it was, was brilliant a and just jack black getting covered in it um was yeah was, that was fun and i think ultimately- and, the, and the little peeled back flower hands yeah his hands got blown yeah. off yeah, it's it was it's, it's like, like a really gruesome bugs bunny the, the bow <laughs> yeah. from elma fudd's gun where he puts bugs puts his finger in it and explodes and just curls back and goes black yeah yeah it was it was that, really that's lovely it exactly but, it but does we didn't fit- see any of that for the rest of the film it was yeah. just for the film well, you, a little bit with the severed head, like when he stepped on the landmine and True. The that was big a terrible cupid. severed head as well. That was yeah. it was a really close. bad severed head. Yeah, you know what that scene also reminds me of? There's a scene in Lost where a guy is like waving around a bit of dynamite, and he's like, "Now you can't be like, yeah. wave it out." You know the scene that I mean? Yeah, I do. And he and he just blows himself up, and it's really surprising because you're not expecting him to get blown up, and then everybody's just like, "Oh, oh, damn, that just happened," and it's yeah. actually played but very that seriously. Well for whereas that's- this is. Yes. That worked well for that story because you knew the characters had to then carry crates of that stuff back to, I think, the hatch. They were trying to blow the hatch open Yeah, or yeah, they were trying to blow the hatch open. Whereas this is just like, nah, we've got rid of this character now. Mm. Yeah, he could, pretty much. he could guide them too much. He would give them too much exposition. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Would you guys like some trivia about Tropic Thunder? Yes, please. The first bit of trivia regarding Tropic Thunder. Ben Stiller said nearly all aspects of the Les Grossman character were developed by Tom Cruise, including the dancing and the look of the makeup. Stiller said that in addition to more obvious makeup effects applied to Cruise's face and head um, and the Mm. extra hair on his chest and his arms, Cruise also decided to play the character wearing oversized prosthetic hands. Mm Mm-hmm. Sounds like a very Tom Cruise actor-y thing to do. Mm. Although in hindsight, it looks very Weinstein-y, doesn't it? Yeah, I did think that at one point. I was like, oh, I'm getting some Weinstein vibes here. In the film, Kirk Lazarus says, I don't drop character till I've done the DVD commentary. When recording, the, when recording the audio commentary for the unrated DVD and Blu-ray, Robert Downey Jr. actually spends the entire commentary in character. Um, so yeah, he, he actually fulfills that. Which character? <laughs> As as Osiris. Yeah. Yep. And then in the credits he's like, Are we done? Yeah, we're done. And then he drops back to Robert to to um as Kirk. as Kirk Lazarus. <laughs> yeah, so he goes back to the Kirk Lazarus character. Can mm. I just say as well, pretty good Australian accent. Quite impressed. Reckon? I thought it was pretty it, it, rough. You know what? I've heard a lot worse. True. I've so heard Meredith a lot Street. Worse. Meredith mm. Street in um what is it? Evil Angels, I think it is. She's probably one of the best I've heard. Um, there was a guy who played a random bit part on Lost and I didn't actually realise. I thought he was a New Zealand actor. Um, I saw a panel with him and he actually did three distinct Antipodean accents. And I was like, oh, damn, guy. Like, that's pretty good. But they got him to do the really... But No, but it was more the fact that he was an American guy who could do like three distinct like mm. one was slightly more New Zealand and one was slightly more like Australian and one was more like Queensland. And of course the producers decided to go for the one that made him sound like he was from New Zealand. But anyway. Yeah. Cause that's, that's what Australians sound like yeah, <laughs> to the casting agents. Oh, Anytime there's an American or someone else doing an Australian accent, they always make it sound like they're from Southern England doing an Australian accent. It's well, terrible. Yeah. Yeah, well, this guy literally said, this cannot hippin. And I'm like, that is not how an Australian says. And they had Australian no, actors on the show. That's not sake. how you talk in Australia. 
No. That's completely different, man. Oh that's my not, god. That's not correct, man. No, I, it's I just do awful. enjoy the the um the sort of comparing uh Kirk Lazarus playing uh, an African American to then um Al Pacino taking the mick out of Australians. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. And you know, just he didn't say, even try an accent though. He just said, he just said stereotypes. Yeah, that dingo ate the baby. Hey, that really happened. That woman actually lost really the baby. Happened. That was that yeah, was yeah. Very actually funny. really sad. Yeah. And then um, the um, that mentioned in crocodile, and he's like, you know, puppy breaks kid, kids, the guy's a national hero. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is is the Australian accent from Robert Downey Jr. better or worse than Quentin Tarantino's from Django Unchained, though, Brett? Oh, so much better. That was a shocker. That wasn't, I don't know what that was. That was like South African, actually. That was yeah. way more, oh, yes, we got the slave here. Going mm. to shoot you, though, because you're black. Mm. Like, that's as close as he got. It, um, mm. it really yeah, didn't help and, having actual Australian actors next to him in that scene. Right next to him. Oh, yeah, because no. it, um, it was, what's his name from Wolf Creek, wasn't it? John Jarrett. Mm. John Jarrett. Yeah. So like I think an Australian accent is that. really hard to do. I feel like we're very it's lucky very because it's very easy to slip from an Australian accent into English because you just make it very proper. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, it's English. And to go American, yes. like we're so saturated with American media. It's so easy to copy it anyway. Like my niece can do like a really good American yeah. accent. And she's my, six. my five-year-old so, daughter who has learned by rote from like a Disney reader reads things out in an American accent. I'm like, sweetheart, that's it's we don't scary. talk like that. But then I'm from Queensland, so I've got a real broad accent. If I go back there for longer than three days, oh yeah, now nah, he yeah. <laughs> I can't I have- do a Boston accent because the Boston accent has Australian A's and American R's. Yeah. It's and a it's weird a very one. hard switch. And same with I have Welsh. A- I can't pull Welsh off, which is Yeah. I've got a thing, I've got a it? I've got a kind of strange non-accenty accent because not so much now but when i was a kid whenever i went traveling people could never figure out where i was from and they would go through the whole list of things like england new zealand yeah um like they'd go through 20 different places and then i'd go no i'm from australia and they'd go oh good day and we just go yeah hi like (laughs) but if you go back to like a mid 20th century australian accent and it was all very clipped even though we're from australia we're still talking like an english person because we want to be seen as proper so if you look at the the newsreels and stuff yeah yes the newsreels and things like that was still a very affected accent Mm. but it comes from Irish, apparently. Like a lot of Australian accents come from Irish, that brogue, really broad, flat A's and a really elongated um, consonants. And it comes, it rolls through from that. Well, and Stephen, why can't you do from. the accent then? You have Irish heritage. You should be able Go to on. do this accent. Steve, <laughs> really... Steve give us... Give us some Australian, mate. Well, oh, in, no, in the same way that I don't automatically know how to run a moonshine distillery, just because I'm Irish doesn't mean I know everything <laughs> about what happened. And I only make that reference because I have family members from long ago that did run illegal moonshine distilleries in, in Ireland. Um, but So you're a disgrace to your ancestors, basically. Yeah, yeah, basically, because I've not started making illegal alcohol for anybody. No, no, um, no, but seriously, give us, give us an Australian accent. You've been here long enough. You've been uh, around us long enough what are your hook only, words for an australian i've only heard him i've only heard him do an australian accent once and that was when we saw the les mis film and he tried to do french cockney and it came out australian and it's the only yep. time i've ever heard him really nail it and i went that was it and 
he's not been able to do it since. Like okay, her. so try and do French Cockney from Lemmy's <laughs> to your best Australian. It's not going to work, and I feel this might be more offensive than Robert Downey Jr. in blackface. But <laughs> here we go. Oh, look, we can we can edit it out. It's fine. Okay, what what's what's a typically Australian sentence that I should say? How's it going, mate? How are you going? Oh yeah, nah. Okay. How you going? Oh yeah, nah. Pretty like, good. I, pretty good. That's not bad, actually. Yeah, that's pretty good. That was pretty good. That's better than it used to be. I'm, okay. I'm very pleased. <laughs> He's it's, like, it's the Australian taken. accent is weird because mm. it's all in the upper back part of your nasal passage. So it's, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, nah. Hey, gone. Yeah, nah. Oh, oh, yeah, nah. Yeah, look, I've, I've been here almost that's 17 years. That's where British years. lives as well. Yeah. yeah, I've been here 17 years and that's as close as my, my voice has gotten to it. So it's going to take some time. Uh, At least the next, it was recorded. Uh, yes, we've got it now. The next bit of trivia... Um, <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. was reportedly quite reluctant to take on the role because he had to wear makeup to look African-American and obviously because of the offence around that. Uh, He ultimately accepted the role because he liked the script and he also wanted to work with Ben Stiller and Jack Black. And I think it's also important to note, um, particularly for for younger listeners, that Robert Downey Jr. in 2008 is not Robert Downey Mm. Jr. in 2020. He's not um, Iron Man. No. Yeah, he, he, he's filmed Iron Man, and I believe it's come out around the same time as, as Tropic Thunder. But he is not the um, superstar reformed um, leading face for, you know, the Disney Marvel conglomerate that he is. Mm. 2008. It came out the same year, 2008. Yeah, it came out the same year. Go. So, so he, But he obviously hadn't been cemented in the public consciousness as essentially almost a new well, version of Batman. re-established. Well, yeah. Yes. Yeah. He, but he was, well, I, I, I suppose he was more infamous kiss, kiss. than famous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kiss yeah. Kiss Bang Bang came out in 2005. So that was a Shane Black film. Mm. That was excellent. I don't know if you've seen that, but that definitely not. add that to your list. Okay. That was one of his kind of resurgence films. Mm. Um, kiss Kiss Bang Bang was excellent. Modern noir had Val Kilmer in it at like peak Val Kilmer. Um, it was, oh it's no, Willow! Film. Willow is Val Kilmer's peak. Come on, like yeah, that's that's like oh, the yeah. first half of Val Kilmer, and then you've got um, what was it? Tombstone? Tombstone? No. Replays Doc Holiday, but that's another one. But this is this is modern Val Kilmer before he got mm. all fluffy and weird and decided to do Mark Twain. Mm. <laughs> Uh, the next bit of trivia, uh, Owen Wilson was originally set to play a character in this film. Um, which character so do you sense. think it was? The agent, Ooh. Matthew McConaughey, must have been. Ellen, any yeah, I, I, Yeah, no, I, I'd, I'd agree with that. Probably the agent. You are both correct. He was originally um, to play Rick Peck. Um, but of course, uh, this was around the time that Owen Wilson had um, issues in his life and uh, I believe an attempted suicide, um, thing, things like that. So, uh, Oh, good. So a really cheery piece of trivia. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, That's well, great. look, it's, it's... I was impo- going to do my Owen Wilson impression, but I might leave it now. No, I, I want to hear it. an Owen Wilson wow. impression. Was, what was it? Wow. That's pretty wow. good. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's pretty good. But, say. Wow. But, but yeah, they ended up going with Matthew McConaughey instead, who was, was fabulous. He, he was very good in this. Yeah. Uh, the water buffalo that uh, Jack Black rides, uh, it turned out it was pregnant. Uh, the casting crew <laughs> found out that it had been pregnant when they came to set one morning and found her nursing a newborn calf. Oh, that's kind of nice. Yeah. That's lovely. I mean, you couldn't work with it after that, though, because 
can't work with animals or kids and that's an animal child. No. (laughs) (laughs) There's some SAG laws against that. Several disability advocacy groups criticize the Simple Jack subplot, the movie within the movie in which Ben Stiller's character portrays a mentally disabled man. The film includes clips from the the fictitious movie and reenactments by Stiller. Um, the scenes between uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Stiller drew particular scorn for the use of the word retard in a repeated fashion. Uh, producers actually took down a Simple Jack website and proposed <laughs> altering the movie in yeah. response to early screenings, uh, but oh, ended no. up not changing it. Um, so yeah, if, even though this was a a spirited mictake, as they might have put it, on those films like spirited I Am Spirited mictake? Yeah. See, that sounds Ren. racist. You know what, you're right. <laughs> But as we've already established, I'm part Irish, so it's fine. Um, but yes, the oh the Rain Man, Forrest Gump uh, kind of thing. I, I, I just don't know What's if there's really... What's grape? Yeah, I don't know if there's really a way to do that in that setting and have it not upset people. Everyone I gets mean, upset by everything, so yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like... I feel like part of that as well is the fact that there's this long history of characters with um, disabilities being played by actors who are abled and they're like, well, and yeah, I think there's like a whole thing around that obviously. And I can kind of, on yeah. the one hand I can kind of, an, yeah. Yeah. It's like I, straight actors playing gay characters or. Yeah. You know, I, I've got, a, I've got a friend who's. Trans characters. Yeah. I've got a friend who's really against that. Um, but that's because it's also something that's very specific to them because they are mm. trans and they are um, queer. And so for them, they're like, this is just not okay for me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But they're like, if, if it was like equal opportunity and more trans and like queer actors and actors of color and disabled actors, because they're also disabled, they just tick all the boxes there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they sort of said if it was like equal opportunity for everybody sure but my issue is is that you've got all of these able-bodied white people playing whatever and mm. i just don't think that that's right i think it should be a more even playing field i'm like i mean mm. yeah i agree if it was a more even playing field mm. i would feel better about it but also i'm yeah they, and here got a we great are talking about simple jack in tropic thunder yeah, yeah. <laughs> look i i also feel as though there, there is a way of critiquing that particular aspect of the film industry without then also performing it. Yeah, for sure. And like, yeah, I, I think ultimately, whilst the intention may have been, let's point out this thing, I kind of feel like they were having their cake and eating it as well. And yeah. yeah. yeah Again, also, it goes back to that indulgence, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was indulgent. Yeah, sure. And I, I just don't think it was a very effective way of making that point when, as we say in the next scene, Jack Black is like doing fistfuls of heroin. <laughs> like it's, it, it just You're doesn't just throwing work. them in people's faces. Yeah. 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 Uh, the final bit of trivia, the film's title is a play on Tropic Lightning, the nickname of the 25th Infantry Division, which has seen action in World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Southwest Asia, and Iraq. Uh, the division was subject, sorry, was the subject of the movie, The Thin Red Line and Platoon, uh, famous yeah. members have also included Oliver Stone, Ice T, Track Palin. Uh, Track Palin is Sarah Palin's eldest son. So there you go. Track. His name is Track. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Sean Penn was in Thin Red Line. That was quite a good film, but I, I was a bit bored by Didn't it. Didn't Hans Zimmer do the too. music for that? 
probably doesn't Hans Zimmer do the music for every third film just by yeah. contract he does a just third about. John Williams does a third and uh, at the moment Michael Giacchino gets half of the remaining third <laughs> yeah so, okay but yeah. Michael Giacchino is amazing and I love him and I will not hear a word said against his music. <laughs> great I'm, and he also <laughs> does pun names for all of his songs which just who tickles um me. what what films has he done I don't Michael recognize Giacchino. um Rogue I'm One. I'm yeah, he did, he's done a bunch of Star Wars stuff. He's done some mm-hmm. Star Trek. He's, do, he's doing a lot of the big action-y type films and stuff. Um, he actually did mm-hmm. the music for Lost, though. Okay. I can and honestly tell you I don't remember anything from Lost except that initial... Yeah. Uh, to, to finish... The music is excellent. Let's look yeah, at Michael music. Giacchino's uh, filmography because I've just <laughs> pulled it up. Uh, he's yeah, provided uh, scoring for The Incredibles, Ratatouille, the 2009 Star Trek film, Super 8, mm-hmm. Rogue One, Inside Out, and War for the Planet of the Apes, amongst others. Yeah, right. The and Incredibles soundtrack is, is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. really good. So, yeah, he, he knows his he stuff. He does good stuff. And All right. Well, names. We're not names. talking about Michael Giacchino. We're talking Aww. about Tropic Thunder. And, uh, <laughs> we keep getting very distracted. <laughs> we do. We, I, think, I think that says a lot about the film is that we, we keep veering off a lot. And not, we, I don't think we've really talked about the film at all in a lot of this, but that just, oh. I think that's indicative of the film. It's, it's quite a shallow little film. Yeah, there's not yeah. a huge amount to talk about. It's almost more like, if you have a great time with it, lovely. If you don't, it's, it's not the end of the world. Uh, but you're right. I don't think mm. there's anything that's been done here where I'm like, that's revolutionary. I've never seen anything like this before. At the same mm. time, that's not what this film's trying to do. It's trying to have a good laugh and, um, you know, make, make money. Um, it's what I call a second screen film. So I'll be doing something on my main computer screen and I'll have a film on my second screen. That'll be yeah. one of this, this. So the current second screen film is Hobbs and Shaw. Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw is a great second screen film. Uh, I yeah, I'm about an hour it. through. Yeah, yeah hour through and I went, you know what? I'm, I'm happy to pause this and go to bed. I don't need Hobbs, to see the next hour. I'll find Hobbs, another time for it. Hobbs and Shaw is also a film which falls into a very special category for me, which is I can't watch films on planes because I, the sound, I, I can't listen to the sound of a plane and a film at the same time. But yep. Hobbs and Shaw is a film that I will watch somebody else watching. Um, yeah, just yeah. on the screen off to the left or the right. Yep. Yeah. But yep. also, I also feel like I followed Hobbs and Shaw without hearing any of the dialogue. Um, it is very evident what's <laughs> happening there. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, bickering between The Rock and Jason Statham. Mm. Idris Elba shows up and does some menacing, and then the film ends. And um, not a I hairstylist. Watch the last hour. Yeah, not a hairstylist was needed for any of the main cast. No, just extra <laughs> makeup for the skulls yeah. and baby oil for The Rock. All right, let's score Tropic Thunder. Ellen, you get to go first because this was your first time watching Tropic Thunder. What would you give it out of 10? I'm going to give it. Three and a half sausage guts out of ten. <laughs> so not great. <laughs> I just, yeah, I feel like I would have enjoyed it if I'd seen it like fifteen years ago as a much younger person because yeah. I would have been like, "Well, this is pretty funny." But where, where, like where I am now, I'm like, "There's some funny bits." I had a few bits where I had a bit of a giggle, but overall, I was like, "I feel like this wasn't made for me. This is not really like a like super relevant to." my interest in the kind of stuff that I normally like watching. So mm. yeah. As someone on the cusp very, very of being a doctor, you, you don't feel as though you can enjoy this. 
<laughs> no, it's not even that. It's just that it's it just it just didn't tickle me. Some like I've watched some big damn action films and just been like, yeah, like that was great. Like I, you know, I reviewed Die Hard on this podcast and I really hey, enjoyed hey, that. Hey, 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 and hey, I gave it a really dumb. good score. That is a sophisticated no machinations yeah. of male relationships. I, I would Absolutely. say Absolutely. But it is a it is a it is a big actiony movie though. <laughs> it's a blockbuster, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I would... it's a big blockbuster actiony movie. This was a big blockbuster actiony movie. It just didn't just didn't tickle my fancy. I would say yeah. that a, a more comparable film uh for you, Ellen, would be Major Pain, which is a big mm. dumb kind of loud but I comedy. I feel like but, but I feel like heart. major, major, yeah, major pain yeah. A has heart, and B I have a nostalgia factor because I have that on a VHS tape, and I yes. must have watched it like a zillion times as like yep. a preteen, teenager, like that sort of age bracket. And I used to watch it with my brother, so like there's a nostalgia factor there as well. So yeah. whereas this, no nostalgia factor. Yeah, no. Brett, no. Uh, it's your turn to score the film. What are you giving Tropic Thunder out of ten? I'm gonna give it, uh, let's say six prosthetic hook hands out of 10 mostly just because i have enjoyed it in the past i enjoyed it now i can recognize it for being as problematic as it is but i think it actually is made for me um straight white dude who likes blowing stuff up and fighting um as much as i try and be an intellectual hmm. but um you can and be both. Also, oh yeah you can you can be both you can be a hypocrite <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I really do Layered. look Layered. at this film as a film that I would have loved to work on because mm. the car, it looks like they were having so much fun. And if you look at some of the behind the scenes stuff or the bloopers, it looks just, you know, those projects, I, I think we've all worked on them. We're like, nah, this isn't very good, but I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes it comes out in the film. Sometimes it doesn't. I think in this case, yeah, I think I mostly want to just be in working on the film yeah. in amongst those people. For me, I didn't love it, but I also, I definitely didn't hate it. I didn't sit there actively going, this is terrible. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't particularly enjoy it. Um, and which for a comedy is a real issue. Um, <laughs> it was kind of just there in a, in a lot of senses uh, the good bits were good um ben stiller accidentally killing a panda and then wearing its uh, skull as a hat was was quite funny but it was it was it it was only quite funny and i don't think this film ever quite got beyond mm. i don't think it ever, ever got beyond me going oh that's funny as opposed to laughing at it uh, so for me i did tell you before we watched it strap in because there's a lot in this film and i yeah. think i stand by that yeah, there is, but but for my own personal um, scoring, I, I would give this film. Ugh, I'm going to give it four and a half TiVo packages out of ten. Um, <laughs> it was, it was fine. It was nice, nice, not thrilling, but nice. But nice, yeah. 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 If you've got two hours where you have to do something mind-numbing, like transposing data in a spreadsheet, then put it on your second screen. Mm. Yeah, it, it is a second perfect screen second film. screen film. I, I absolutely yep. agree. Uh, all right, well, that brings us to the end of this episode and our attempt at doing this online for the first time. Uh, Brett yes. and Ellen, thank you very it's much for joining me. High-tech, welcome to the world of tomorrow, CCUP. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, the fact is, is we're going to be doing this in this manner for the foreseeable future, whilst, of course, uh, lots of people that we know are self-isolating and trying to keep themselves mm. safe. 
and um yeah we'll, we'll see Hashtag how it goes. stay the home yeah, yeah. I, I mean i think we do absolutely have to emphasize that um it it is a weird and tricky time but as much as mm. you can try and keep yourself um secluded and safe and we'll wash see. your hands yeah. don't touch your face yeah, just just watch Tropic Thunder several times. Yeah, and just watch on that on loop for the next thing, six yeah. months. Okay, but thank you very much, uh, Brett and Ellen, for joining me on this episode. You're My pleasure. Welcome. And for those of you listening at home, thank you for listening in. Um, with the show obviously going in a slightly different format for the next little while, we'd really love to hear your feedback. Um, if there's any ideas for things that you'd like us to do, you know, maybe um, one of the ideas we've had suggested is doing a series of uh, films that are exclusive to streaming services. I, I think that would be really great. So if you have suggestions like that for things that we can do whilst in this sort of fun internet connected self-isolation kind of phase uh, you can contact us on facebook just search for the cinema catch-up club there um, we can also be contacted via an email i don't often bring up the email but we do have an email address uh, for the production company it's info at thoughtjarproductions.com you can leave uh, messages there if you want suggestions anything like that we are also on patreon uh, and of course um with with um the arts being in a little bit of a, of a muddle at the moment in terms of uh, a lot of gigs uh, being cancelled. I know, as you said at the beginning of the program, Ellen, um, you've, you've lost a lot of teaching and drama work um, at this time. Yeah. And uh, Brett, I'm sure this has impacted some of your performance uh, work as well. Yeah, well, I'm just glad we got Fringe done here in Perth before oh, absolutely, it um, yeah. kicked and, in. Yeah. And for me as well, obviously this is this has affected um some of the live performance work I do. Um the Patreon is a really great place to help um support this program and keep it running. Um, you know, we, we do have a very dedicated small Patreon following and I'm extremely grateful for those people. But if you do feel as though you can part with an extra dollar or two here and there. That's, that's all we ask. Just go over to patreon.com uh, forward slash CCUC podcast and you get a lot of nice fun bonus features. You get some bonus extra programs that we do here and there. So please, by all means, consider it and make sure you're subscribed over at iTunes or SoundCloud or Spotify or any other podcasting service. But that's all for this week. So until next time, wash your hands and look after yourselves. Goodbye. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.